Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. New details about a disturbing assault that unfolded in Richmond. A 42-year-old man is now facing a number of charges, including kidnapping and impersonating a police officer. Our Rumina Dea is following this story for us tonight. Rumina, this began early, uh, began yesterday morning, I should say. A distraught young mm. woman flagging down a good Samaritan in a vehicle. Just a bizarre chain of events, Sophie, in this Richmond neighborhood, which is just blocks away from an elementary school, which ended up being put on lockdown. Now, the incident ended with a dramatic takedown. Sir, get down on your knees. Now, a man was taken into custody after a fraught woman had approached a good Samaritan pleading for help. She said that she had been assaulted and held captive. Now, a short time later, police ended up at a home in Jesmond on Jesmond Avenue, where the man was eventually arrested after a standoff, which lasted several hours. Now, at this point, we still don't know how long the woman was allegedly held captive for. We don't know the relationship between the man and the woman either. Sophie. All right, but what we do know, Ramina, is this guy is facing some pretty serious charges here. Yes, uh, charges actually came down very fast, which speaks to the investigation that uh, police actually did in this case. So 42-year-old Chang Ian Huang is facing seven serious charges tonight, including kidnapping, impersonating a police, police officer, and a charge that I've never heard of in my entire 20-year career. It's sexual assault using a taser. In my experience, it is a, a rather... A unique charge. I've uh, not heard of that particular one, but in its totality with the uh, seriousness of the other charges, uh, that's why we were so cautious in regards to this matter, especially with a, a school about two blocks nearby. Now, investigators remain on scene here tonight, Sophie. They're still gathering evidence inside the home, and apparently it is severely cluttered, so it's going to take some time. The suspect is in custody. Back to you. All right, Ramina Dea in Richmond. Ramina, thank you. A terrifying early morning wake-up call in Vancouver's Strathcona neighborhood. Fire devouring a home. Smoke could be seen and smelled throughout downtown Vancouver. In the end, four homes were affected, two destroyed, including the home where it started. John Hua explains what we're learning about a possible cause and why some neighbors felt it was just a matter of time before this happened. That is one super nasty fire. As the flames surged through this abandoned Strathcona home, neighbors say they only had seconds to get out. I grabbed my dog, I looked for my cat, I came outside and that's turned around and I just saw orange. So you couldn't really see the house. It was bright. Big, big flames. The massive fire broke out just before 6 o'clock Thursday morning. 
As firefighters arrived to the scene on Prior Street, the blaze jumped to neighboring houses. We arrived to find at least four homes affected by fire. Uh, the house of origin was abandoned and uh, was fully involved and is now gutted. One of the homes was so packed with stuff, it forced fire crews into a defensive position. Because of significant debris inside, uh, what was described to me as a hoarding situation, crews have not been able to make entry. And as the fire continued to grow, so did the frustrations of the people forced out of their homes, who say it was just a matter of time. Pretty much everyone knew that, you know, both the house in the back alley and, and this one that's abandoned will both eventually catch on fire. It's not a surprise. The area has been plagued by fire in the past. Some of these homes replaced others gutted by arson. For now, this fire is suspected to be connected to squatters. No matter what the cause, residents say better monitoring of abandoned homes is needed. We just think that there's something that can be done by the city, um, just whether enforcing it with the owners themselves or whatever the case is, but there needs to be something done. This is the fifth vacant house fire in Vancouver this year. The city says changes already made to the fire bylaw, which includes stiffer penalties for owners, is working. Neighbours who are now displaced, all because of a fire at a discarded home, don't agree. John Hua, Global News. A warning from Vancouver police about a high-risk sex offender who's now living in a halfway house in the city. Brian Keith Solberg is a federal offender convicted of forcible confinement, sexual assault with a weapon, and a number of other offences. Corrections Canada believes he's at a high risk to reoffend, and Vancouver police believe he poses a risk to the safety of teenage and adult women. Solberg must abide by a number of conditions, including not to be in the company of sex workers and not to consume, purchase or possess alcohol or drugs. If you see him in violation of any of those conditions, you are asked to call 911. Canada hitting back today after the U.S. announced it will be slapping tariffs on our steel and aluminum as of midnight tonight. Ottawa wasting no time countering the move, imposing duties of its own on a wide range of products. Paul Johnson explains what it means for affected industries in B.C. and how this might impact consumers. Our country on trade has been ripped off by virtually every country in the world. How much does Trump's protectionist talk rattle nerves here in B.C.? So I heard about it early this morning. In Kitimat, Mayor Phil Germuth got a call from the boss over at the Rio Tinto smelter. They're the biggest employer in town. Most of the aluminum they make goes to the U.S. and is now the target of a 10% tariff. Well, of course, a bit of disappointment. You know, anything that can uh, affect the viability of, of the operation of the smelter here is, of course, great concern to the community. With no major steel industry to speak of, that aluminum smelter in Kitimat is B.C.'s single biggest vulnerability in this trade war. A fact not lost on the Premier today. I'm very concerned about uh, our aluminum sector. We've been in contact with the manager at the Kitimat smelter uh, uh, today. But beyond the threat to Kitimat, what other fallout can British Columbians expect from the new protectionism? Canada's retaliation will theoretically drive up the cost of many imports from the U.S. and change the balance of trade. None of that good. And we're definitely going to see a negative uh, hit to Canadian GDP growth in 2018 and 19, unfortunately. But the extent of the damage is going to depend on which tariffs stick and for how long. 
Ottawa and Washington are still trying to rework the free trade deal. Most members of the president's own party have an almost spiritual disgust for trade wars. So there's good reason to suspect Trump may be just trying for negotiating leverage. At least that's the hope in Kitimat, where an entire city depends on trade peace. The only reason Kitimat was built in the first place was for the aluminum industries. Paul Johnson, Global News. Meantime, there is good news for LNG in B.C. Malaysia's Petronas taking a major stake in a project in Kitimat. Keith Baldry is live with the details on this one. Keith, there is hope this will be solidified by the fall. And if that's the case, what's the impact? The impact is going to be substantial, Sophie. This is uh, potentially the biggest uh, private sector investment in B.C.'s history, if not one of the biggest in Canadian history. Uh, and exactly, in Kitimat, we're talking a $40 billion investment, all told, when, if LNG Canada makes the plunge here and greenlights the project. 10,000 jobs. That's 10,000 jobs at the peak of construction uh, for that project. And $22 billion flowing B.C. government's way over a 40-year lifespan. So we're talking some pretty big numbers here. Here. The fact that Petronas is now bought into this when they walked away from their own project just a few months ago uh, is an encouraging sign, a point that may, was made by Premier John Horgan when I put it to him earlier this afternoon. Uh, to have uh, Petronas join what is already a pretty diverse uh, joint venture, uh, PetroChina, Kogas, Mitsubishi, uh, Shell, as well as now uh, Petronas, you have all of the main players in the natural gas uh, sector, uh, whether they be upstream producers here in, in British Columbia or uh, takers uh, in Asia, all participating in this joint venture. So I think that speaks very well uh, for a positive final investment decision. So that final investment decision is expected sometime in the fall, probably sometime in October, and would alleviate perhaps some of the concerns now raised by Trump's tariffs on steel and aluminum. Sophie? All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Right now, it was sold as a way to solve Vancouver's housing crisis. Now, just one month into the city's crackdown on short-term rentals, hundreds of listings have been pulled off sites like Airbnb and put back into the rental pool. And while the city is touting this as a success, as Aaron MacArthur reports, they still have a long way to go. Our booking process is simple. More than 6,000 homes in Vancouver are used in some capacity as short-term rentals. Everything from single-family houses to multiple apartments in the same complex. The city has started to go after short-term rentals and encourage people to sign up for business licenses. We already have 900. We anticipate by the end of August that that number will go up. Um, and in the meantime, the city has spent, um, in addition to focusing on enforcement, we spent um, the past month really reaching out on social media. The city is investigating 1,500 listings that appear to be illegal. Later this summer, Airbnb will share its data with the city, but a month into the process, the results are beginning to show. In just a month, 400 units have either been taken off sites like Airbnb or converted into long-term rentals. And the city is actively prosecuting 89 property owners in a move that could net the city nearly 900 grand. Plenty of houses still available on sites like Airbnb and plenty of owners willing to take a chance. With a housing crisis in full swing, advocates say the city needs to keep up the pressure. That the enforcement has teeth um, is, is a bigger part of it. 
Um, certainly we see on social media there continue to be um, some of these uh, some of these business owners who uh, are openly defying some of the rules. We know who's um, on what platform and we can go after them. Homeowners have until the 31st of August to obtain a business license and make sure their short-term rental is above board. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, we first told you about this on Monday, and now some more Kelowna residents are coming forward to tell us their cars were also hit with what appears to have been sewage falling from a passing plane. Three residents of a townhouse complex say they didn't know what was on their cars until they saw Global's tale of the falling poop. They found the mess on May 12th, three days after Susan Allen says liquid boo fell from the sky and through her car's sunroof. Airport officials say they are looking into the matter. Uh, we've never seen anything like this before, so it's difficult for us to speculate on, on what it could be. Um, perhaps uh, it could have been some birds, but again, uh, this, is, this would just be speculation on our part. There was so much poop on my car. In order for it to be that much poop, Without a word of a lie, there would have had to been 500 birds pooping all at the same time. The airport says there were three planes in the area at the time Susan's car was hit, but two were on another flight path and the other was too small for a bathroom. So it appears the mystery continues. A shock for shoppers on Robson this afternoon. Vancouver police say the driver of this vehicle lost control driving up onto the sidewalk and into the ABC dollar store on Hamilton and Robson by the library. The driver may have suffered a medical incident and was taken to hospital for assessment. One employee was also taken to hospital as a precautionary measure. A structural engineer has been brought in to assess the building. A new report from the Transportation Safety Board indicates the second mate aboard the Nathan E. Stewart was asleep and alone when the tug ran aground in 2016, causing a major spill of diesel fuel off Bella Bella. Ted Trenecki has more on the findings and how it's hoped the recommendations might prevent similar marine accidents in the future. The crew aboard the Nathan E. Stewart had been working a grueling six hours on and six off for two and a half days. When the tug's master left to get some sleep, the lone watchman on the bridge decided to get comfortable in a relaxing chair. He dimmed the lights, turned up the heat, and turned on some music. What could possibly go wrong? The TSB learned early in the investigation that the watchkeeper on duty, who was alone on the bridge when the vessel ran aground, had unintentionally fallen asleep and missed a planned course change. See the booming around the side. When and those booms didn't hold, allowing some of the 110,000 liters of tug fuel to contaminate a large area near Bella Bella. The TSB report says there was confusion as not everyone responding to the spill knew who was in charge. You know, these waters are sacred. There's risk. There's risk every day in Canadian waters. We've got over 4,000 vessels on our coast. And if we can't handle a small little incident like this, what is, what's, what's a large 300,000 ton coal carrier coming through Harrow Strait going to look like? There was just far too long of a delay before recovery uh, boats and uh, personnel were able to get there and it caused a lot of damage, it caused a lot of angst. The TSB makes two recommendations, both related to fatigue. One is to make training to recognize fatigue risks mandatory for crew members. And the second is to force companies to come up with a comprehensive fatigue management plan. And that will have to be addressed, however they address it, whether that would be change that shift up a little bit, as, as Kathy says, um, rotate it a little bit more, change it to an eight and 
eight and four. There's a number of different things they could do. While in Canadian waters, it is illegal to have just one person on the bridge at night. A second voice might have helped keep the watchman awake, as would turning up the lights and turning down the temperature and the music and turning on those various alarms that would have sounded to warn that the vessel was off course. Fortunately for everyone, the barge itself was empty. Ted Chernecki, Global News. A disturbing discovery in Prince George where conservation officers are investigating after a grizzly bear was found with all four of its paws cut off. A warning, while we have blurred the images, they might still be disturbing to some viewers. The dead bear was found on the side of Highway 97 last night. Grizzly bear hunting was banned by the NDP government and possessing any part of a bear is illegal. If you don't have the authorization, whether it be by a hunting license or your First Nation status, to be in possession of uh, a wild animal or parts, then it is an offence under the Wildlife Act. Conservation officers believe animal parts are being trafficked in the area. If found and convicted, the person behind this could face a fine of up to $100,000 and up to one year in jail. A Canadian comedian is under fire tonight over some vulgar comments she made about the first daughter, Ivanka Trump. Do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless <laughs> He listens. Samantha Bee made the comments on her TBS show last night. She has since apologized for the expletive, as has the network, but many say that's not enough. There are calls to cancel the show and fire Bee. This coming just one day after ABC canceled the popular comeback sitcom Roseanne, after the show's star tweeted racist remarks. When one woman decided her new Lazy Boy chair wasn't the right fit, she organized with the company to have it returned. Men with a truck showed up and picked up the recliner. The only problem is Lazy Boy and the customer have no idea where the chair is now. Sean O'Shea breaks down the mystery. The handle was too small and too tight for me. Joanne Rosen is talking about the chair she bought after recent surgery. A chair like this one from Lazy Boy, a well-known international furniture brand. But when the $1,800 chair didn't fit right, the store agreed to pick it up and take it back. I personally thought they had a truck in the area. They're picking it up. It's their chair. You give them back their chair. The two men in this video came calling on May 11th to retrieve the recliner. They presented themselves to security first. We uh, asked to see the requisition form and their ID, along with, again, checking with the unit owner, making sure that they are aware of this uh, pickup or delivery. They said that they were two men from Lazy Boy. But according to Lazy Boy, the men in the video don't work for the company. They're not just collecting the chair, they appear to be stealing it, right on security video. Lazy Boy declined an on-camera interview, but a vice president said the company is not responsible, an explanation the family doesn't accept. This may not directly be your people, but they are directed by someone from your company because no one knew to pick up a chair. This had to be an inside job. It is an inside job. Lazy Boy says its trucks are clearly marked, its staff trustworthy and uniformed. The company pointed responsibility back to the condo building. We feel that Lazy Boy isn't taking any responsibility whatsoever. The family called police who tell Global News they're investigating. But Lazy Boy told us it's unlikely anyone on its staff had anything to do with the theft. How they've conducted themselves, sir, is 
inappropriate. Lazy Boy did agree to refund the money for the missing chair, but the family is worried for others. Not to care and not to want to make sure it won't happen to somebody else. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. In Health Matters tonight, birth control for teens is often a taboo subject, but Canada's pediatricians want to talk about it. The Canadian Pediatric Society has released its recommendation for what should be the first line of contraception for young people. And as Jennifer Palmer reports, their suggestion may not be what you'd expect. IUD stands for intrauterine device. IUDs are one form of birth control that can be controversial. It involves the placement of a device into the uterus, and many believe it's not an appropriate form of birth control for teens. But the Canadian Pediatric Society is challenging that thought, saying intrauterine methods should be the first-line birth control option for youth. Once it's in place, you don't have to intervene at all. You don't have to go to to uh, have it renewed. You ha- You don't have to remember to take it every day. IUDs are more than 99% effective as birth control. Compare that to the pill, which is 99% effective if taken correctly. And how about condoms? Those fluctuate in effectiveness from 82 to 85%. The society is also reaffirming that IUDs don't affect future fertility or cause infections. Our previous belief that uh, intrauterine systems and devices would increase the risk of uh, sexually transmitted in infections becoming really severe turned out not to be true. So if you don't use a condom, you're at risk for getting an STI, whether you're using an IUD or not using anything, but you have the same risk of getting a serious infection, whether you have an IUD or whether you're not using uh, any kind of contraceptive. An IUD costs anywhere from 60 to hundreds of dollars, a price that could keep youth from talking to their parents about it to access covered health benefits. The number one thing I think that's important for parents to do is to eliminate shame as much as they can. There are ways in which that we can consent to these types of things and have you know, responsible conversations. The society hopes by taking this position on IUDs that it will offer more birth control options to youth and their caregivers. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Well, this coming weekend is a special one for us here at Global. Miracle Weekend kicks off on Saturday. The annual two-day event has raised more than $300 million for BC Children's Hospital over the past three decades. And as Linda Ellsworth reports, the money raised helps make new treatments possible. On the grounds of BC Children's Hospital, on the main floor of its research institute, the stage is being set for this year's 31st annual Miracle Weekend Telethon. It's an opportunity from people across the province to come together and support BC Children's Hospital. Last year, $20 million were raised. Over the last three decades, $300 million. Much of that money going to research. It's actually a really exciting time for research. Uh, lots of new treatments happening. Our ability to personalize medicine, which is a major emphasis of our uh, program. Dr. Schultz specializes in the study of childhood cancers. I started doing things in the 1980s. Um, our cure rate for cancer at that time was about 60%. Uh, We're now at 85 to 90 percent for all childhood cancers. Madeline is one of those survivors. At the age of 12, she was diagnosed with lymphoma. Today, she's five and a half years cancer-free. Lab research such as what I'm working on now can really change um, change the lives for children and adults that experience things such as myself. 
This summer, she's working as a student in Dr. Schultz's lab, paying it forward. So hopefully, uh, with all this research and going to medical school at one point, I would love to be an oncologist, maybe even here at BC Children's. 86,000 children were treated at BC Children's last year. But as technology advances and becomes more effective, the price tags increase, as does their dependence on the generosity of the public. Their ultimate goal, preventing diseases in the first place. In the meantime, we want to just cure every child and give them a healthy life. And uh, that's, a, that's our goal. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. A Canada goose on the loose at a Major League Baseball game. And he's got a perch in left field. Nope. And when it finally did take flight, well, things didn't there go so well. We'll show you what happened right after Christie's forecast. Mm -hmm. Christy Gordon joining us with a look at that forecast and mm -hmm. uh, some feathered friends with you as well. Yeah, I captured this uh, footage just a couple days ago. A lot of geese out there. I would say they're teenagers right now, Sophie, and they're getting really close. They're quite comfortable uh, with people, uh, especially in some of the downtown core areas. So make sure you're careful with them. They're so cute, though. And it reminded me that I wanted to show you this photo. Check this out. It looks like this is the second story. This bear has climbed up in the back there, right up onto the fence, and it looks like he's eating from a hummingbird feeder. So just to give you an idea of how nimble the bears are and they are hungry these days that's for sure uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to bring in your bird feeders but if you're close to uh, you know the forest it may be something to think about if you have a bird feeder uh, around your house all right so we had some lightning in the deep cove area uh, just about an hour ago it has eased off now but you can still see the cell there we have a slim chance of an isolated thunderstorm into the evening hours across Vancouver Island as well but generally it's beautiful out there. A reminder, if you hear thunder, if thunder roars, head indoors is the saying because it is dangerous and it can strike an area quite far away from the actual cell itself. Yes, we've got a system on deck. We have a number of showers across the province right now, but a system on deck, that means rain for our Friday. Here's the timeline. For those of you across Vancouver Island, the rain will develop through the morning and early afternoon hours. That's the Sunshine Coast also. And then for the lower mainland areas like Squamish, It'll happen later in the day. I would say late afternoon through the evening hours, you can expect the rain to develop. But the good news is it's not going to last long. Saturday, it looks like we're back to sunshine. So there's your forecast, everyone. North coast, wet and windy. Further inland, a chance of showers, especially towards the afternoon hours, and a risk of thunderstorms through the uh, southern interior. Mix of sun and cloud, really the bulk of the rainfall pushing into the Kootenai region. And for the south coast, we will see uh, showers or rain develop through the day uh, er, for areas further east we'll see it a little bit later on so that's your Saturday beautiful but Sunday we're back to rain and very chilly temperatures only warming up to about 16 degrees all right BCAA play here contest is back it's giving away three play space revitalizations worth up to $100,000 each here's a look at two more of the 10 finalists the cultural center in Castlegar is aging uh, it's a wooden playground is becoming dangerous despite yearly maintenance a new play space would give families in the area a safe place to gather and play and in Penticton the uh, Ecole Entre Lac is the hub of the community and has barely anything for the kids to play on they're hoping for a nature inspired play space that would also serve as an outdoor classroom. You can cast your vote now right through until June 17th. Go to globalnews.ca slash bc slash contest uh, or bcaaplayhere.com for your chance to cast the vote. 
So many worthy entrants. Thank mm -hmm. you very much, Christy. Now, a Canada Goose made an impression at a baseball game in Detroit last night. The Goose got loose on the field, making several failed attempts to, I guess, get to home base. Who knows? The grounds crew set off two firecrackers, and another member gave chase in an effort to get it to fly away. And while it did, just when you thought it was in the clear, this happened. It's in cruise control now. Oh, ran into the scoreboard. Down goes the goose. Oopsies. A Tigers fan came to the rescue and carried the goose to safety. Apparently, it was not badly injured. Maybe just a little embarrassed. But it makes, like, plays of the week, at least. And in other animal news, a global viewer in North Vancouver took this video of a black bear playing with a soccer ball in his backyard the guy who was taking the video, not the bear. It happened this morning in the Princess Park area, and while it's pretty cute, it is obviously a good reminder, like Christy was just saying, take steps to avoid close encounters, remove attractants from your property, and lock up your garbage. An important night in sports is getting underway in downtown Vancouver. Our Chris Galis and Squire Barnes emceeing the BC Sports Hall of Fame inductee gala. And they join us now. Who's being honored tonight, guys? That is right. It is the BC Sports Hall of Fame induction gala tonight. Squire and I are honored to be masters of ceremony. Should be a really fun night with some big names in BC sports going into the hall. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know you've been around a while when I think the only people going in tonight that I didn't interview or mention is a hockey team from 1918. <laughs> but everybody else. That's right. You know, not to take anything away from them. But everybody else are names you'd know. That's right. We're talking about Cliff Ronning in hockey, Glenn Jackson in football, and Dempster. Ryan Dempster. Ryan Dempster in baseball, and my personal favorite, because I'm a rugby fan, the 1991 Canadian men's national rugby team, which made it to the quarterfinals of the World Cup back in 1991, back in the days when I was still getting started in broadcasting and playing Sega rugby. But it's good. It's good to celebrate with them. Sega had rugby. Wow, I didn't know that. That should be in a Hall of Fame, too, your Sega rugby game. Anyway, it's going to be a great night. We're happy to be here. And if you can, make sure you support the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Back to you, Soph. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love seeing them standing next to each other. bit of a height mismatch. If you're playing <laughs> basketball, that's, you'd get it inside the Galas to take it over the top. There kind of is a height mismatch. <laughs> Any kind of anyone in Galas or Squire or Squire for that matter. <laughs> We're right in the. I'm right in the middle. Right in the middle. I'm actually at Squire's level. I think. Well, okay. You look well. Thank you. All right. Now that we've got all the heights and weights out of the way, just heights, I suppose. Thanks, so. Uh, well, Canada is officially down to no players left in singles play at the French Open after 18-year-old Denis Shapovalov lost his second-round match on the red clay in Paris. Hopes were high Shapovalov could make a decent run at Roland Garros, but uh, Denis was his own worst enemy today. Taking on a player from Germany, Dennis uh, seated for the first time at a major. Number 24, taking on Maximilian Marterer and uh, Shapovalov. Good early, nice little slice backhand. Took the first set, 7-5. Marterer also a lefty. Actually looks a lot like Shapovalov with the uh, hat and all. Second set went to a tie break. Shapovalov into the net, even a set apiece. Third set, and this is kind of the running theme for Dennis. Another unforced error made 82 of them compared to 52 winners. So not the ratio he's looking for. Martyr wins the third set. Shapovalov kind of slips there on the clay, just not sharp today. Match point, 
Shapovalov's going to go long, so no Canadians left. Shapovalov goes down in four sets. Rafael Nadal won easily as he goes for an 11th French Open crown. Vashik Pospisil lost his first round doubles match. Meanwhile, on the ladies' side, Serena Williams playing her first major since having her baby girl last September, taking on Australian Ashley Barty, the 17th seed. And Serena, after dropping the first set, comes back to win it in three, so she is moving on to the third round. Well, she was the darling of the Rio Olympics for Canada. Toronto swimmer Penny Oleksiak won a record four medals, including a gold. Two years later, Oleksiak is still going strong. She's in Vancouver this week for the Mel's Ajak Invitational at UBC, looking to use this meet as a stepping stone for more Olympic glory down the road. Penny Oleksiak is one of the fastest swimmers in the world, but this week in Vancouver at the Mel's Ajak Invitational, speed isn't necessarily a priority. Swimmers are fine-tuned machines that need to peak for the big competitions. And the next big one for Oleksiak is the Pan Pacific Championship in Japan this August. So this week is more about fine-tuning. Honestly, I'm just here to kind of like train, I guess, and see where I'm at in the season. And I think I'm going to be doing a couple races in my training suit. So it's honestly just kind of like practicing and seeing where I'm at for the rest of the season and before Pampax. It's been nearly two years since Oleksiak won four medals at the Rio Olympics, becoming Canada's darling of those games in the process. She won a gold, a silver, and two bronze, and was Canada's flag bearer at the closing ceremonies, all at age 16. Now what? Well, two years later, it seems so long ago. Yeah, it's pretty weird to look back just because, like, Especially now, it feels like forever ago, and sometimes when people still bring it up, I'm like, okay, I've moved on, like, I have another Olympics to go. But um, now I'm past that, like, midway point, and it's coming up, so I'm just really excited for 2020. <laughs> Alexiak is currently training at the University of Florida with American swim legend Ryan Lochte, who's won 12 Olympic medals. Alexiak is literally trying to soak up everything she can to make herself a better swimmer. How they kind of react to like different scenarios in practice and their everyday life and how they kind of carry themselves throughout the day. I think it's just kind of learning really, really small stuff that doesn't seem important, but in the long run is. I've been in the same spot for 20 years now, and we've had a culture of performance at a high international level. So I, I think that, that entire culture helps someone like her. Alexiak is still two weeks away from her 18th birthday, so she feels she's got so much more ahead of her. Her plan is to go two more Olympic Games and show that Rio was no fluke. Everyone's getting faster and there's going to be more young kids coming up, so we'll see what happens, but I think hopes are high. All right, we've seen this movie before. Warriors Cavaliers, part four. Fourth straight year they've met in the NBA Finals. Game one tonight in Oakland. Steph Curry drive, draws the foul. As the Warriors are huge favorites to beat uh, LeBron, despite James playing so well, doesn't have the uh, supporting staff like Kevin Durant to help him out like Curry does. James, though, with 12 in the first quarter alone, including this three. And it's a tight game. They've just started the second 30 
29 Cavaliers. PGA Tour stop, the memorial hosted by the legendary Jack Nicholas, who uh, still handles the golf cart quite nicely at age 78. Tiger Woods back in this tournament for the first time since 2015. Rocky start, bogey there, put him at plus four for the day, but recovery on the back. Nice approach at the sixth here, part of three straight birdies for Tiger, who fought back to finish at even par 72. Japan's Hideki Matsuyama now at 17. Now, he'd been riding four straight birdies, but that streak came to an end. But it's good news because he made an eagle. Six under through a five-hole stretch for Matsuyama, who's a co-leader at seven under. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford shot two over 74. And the women are playing a major in Alabama. The U.S. Open, Canadian Brooke Henderson, looking for the second major of her great young career after a slow start. She bogeyed three of her first four, but a nice rally. Birdies at 13 to get to one over. And then at 15, she'll roll in another. Ended up shooting one over 73, six off the lead. And the Canadian Tour stop is at point gray this week for the Freedom 55 Financial Open. We'll have a story on that tomorrow. That's it for sports. All right. Thank you very much, Barry. Let's check in with Andrew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. And one lucky person in our province is $30 million richer today, but we won't know who he or she is. The ticket for the April 20th draw was bought in Coquitlam, but the winner is going to remain anonymous. Usually, one condition of claiming a prize is that the winner must consent to BCLC publishing their name and photo, but that is not the case here. And we'll tell you why when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie? All right. Sadly, it's not me. I'll let you know that. Thanks, uh, Anne. It is to quilting what the Westminster Kennel Club is to dog shows. After a break, Squire has your look at the best quilting in show. But first, Kasha Badurka has your five things to do this weekend. Kasha. Yep, here we are. First weekend of June and no shortage of things. First, let's head to Burnaby Heights for its biggest festival of the year. Saturday, it's Hats Off Day, a street festival for families, friends, neighbors, and merchants. The community parade starts at 10 a.m. The heat is on and let the water fun begin. Cultus Lake Water Park, the province's biggest park of its kind, reopens for the season on Saturday. New this year is the Black Hole Body Slide. To add to the 16 slides, five hot tubs, and famous bazooka bowls. But perhaps you want to get in touch with nature. It's family day at Sunnyside Acres Urban Forest in Surrey. Take the bucket ride and appreciate the tree canopy from the fun perspective. Indulge in family fun activities and treats, rain or shine. There's nothing like a fairy tale brought to life on stage, and this week it's Cinderella. Presented by Go Ballet, featuring both local and international talent, it's on at the Centre in Vancouver. From leaping dancers to jumping horses, the Long Jeans Nations Cup is happening at the Thunderbird Show Park on Sunday. Expect world-class show jumping, food and boutique shops, face painting and pony rides. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Coming up on ET Canada, Donald Trump's controversial summit with Kim Kardashian plus John Goodman reacts to Roseanne's racist tweet. All of that is coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, break out your sewing machines. Vancouver is about to welcome quilters from across the country. This weekend, a patchwork of attendees. Uh, clever. Clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll gather at the Vancouver Convention Center. I didn't write it. You don't have to be a master to take part. Squire Barnes takes us inside the best in show of quilting. I know what you're thinking. Same thing I was thinking. 
Who knew they had awards for quilting every year? But they do. And the people who craft these quilts must impress very meticulous judges to win. And there's a teeny wee fray at the end there. And uh, we're taking our little stick or our fingernail or something and pulling uh, the edges just to make sure everything is stuck down. There are three judges. Three judges, and they they will decide who wins the various categories. Do they assign points? We don't use a number system unless we have to. Most of the time, they'll do this the award um, presentations by consensus. We take it very seriously, and, and we owe that. We owe that to the people who put their works forward. And those works are rather diverse. There's more than one type of quilt. There is traditional quilting. There's modern quilting. There is quilts that have used somebody else's pattern. There's three categories of art quilts. And there is no prejudice between old-fashioned hand-sewn quilt and machine-made. It's very challenging to do these free-motion kind of uh, designs on the machine. Uh, It takes a lot of creativity. It really is a modern take on what is a very old craft because quilts have been around human culture for centuries. And before their patterns won contests, they told stories to those who saw them. Norwegians, the Incas... They've all represented, even our indigenous people, their quilting now, their beading before, all has stories and represents. Which explains the worldwide representation for this year's award. There was entries from Brazil, there was entries from Europe, there was the United States, Canada. Anybody can enter into the show and we get the best of the best. Those are amazing. Mm, I think Beautiful. you guys would be great quilters you if you put so. your mind Not to it. me so much. Am I? <laughs> Instead I of know. binging on uh, Netflix. Hey. hey, who says we do that? We're, why, while we're binging on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of me. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I can crochet. I can sew a, a button back on. No, I can, I can actually sew. Oh, okay. I sewed my, my, um, my grad dress. You did? What? Yeah. Wow, good for yeah. you. see a photo of this. Oh, <laughs> we want proof. Sure. Yeah. All right, final word on the weather? Okay, so we are in for rain. It won't happen until later on in the day, so your majority of your day will be dry. But if you're heading home late, you may want to bring an umbrella because you may need it. Uh, Saturday looking good, but then we're back to rain on Sunday. And I want you to check out the temperatures on Sunday. 16 as our high. That will feel chilly. It's a quilt day. Mm. That is a, a quilt. quilting day. day yes. Or just to be under, under a quilt. Under the quilt. Under the exactly. Quilt. <laughs> Have a good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Bye.